We're pleased to partner again with Curex, the number one insole in the run specialty retail market, which means in running stores, it's the top selling brand of insoles. It's no wonder. Curex insoles are highly customizable and provide dynamic arch support. For 15% off, visit curex.us and use code AMR15. Welcome to AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing in endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. Our joke around these parts is that hill is a four-letter word, and it is. But the reality is, is that hitting the hills not only boosts your strength and speed, it also adds variety to the terrain and keeps things mentally interesting. Joining us today to dissect climbing hills and to chat about a variety of other topics is Holly Brooks, who basically eats hills for breakfast. Not only is Holly a two-time Olympian in Nordic skiing, she's also a two-time winner of the Mount Marathon, a race in Seward, Alaska that has a vertical gain of about 2,600 feet in less than a mile. So the average speed on that race is about two miles per hour uphill. Um, Holly is a triplet herself, a mother of three-year-old twins. She lives in Anchorage, where she's also a licensed professional counselor who specializes in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Oh my gosh, Holly, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Just reading your bio gives me goosebumps. I mean, what a life you've lived so far. So tell us about yourself in your own words. Well, first of all, I'm the older sister to triplets. That's just one small detail. But uh, <laughs> oh, you're the older sister. Oh, so you're one of four. Four. Yeah, I thought yeah, you were I'm, a triplet. Oh, okay. I'm no, sorry. no, no, totally. And no, and it's funny. I'm just like, oh, um, no. I was like the bossy older sister. So um, I guess I should own that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Good. Good clarification. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that, that was a great intro. Um, if people aren't familiar with cross country skiing, we are the people that ski uphill while everyone else prefers to take the chairlift. Um, so cross country skiing is kind of like the equivalent of uh, track and field for the winter. Um, and as I think I was sharing with you, you know, we have everything from the sprint to the marathon. And um, you're very right. I love going uphill. Um, it makes you strong and usually there's maybe a view at the top and I just love the feeling of accomplishment, right? Like, you know, I'm not into this idea of conquering anything, but it is an amazing feeling to hike to the top of a mountain or a hill, whether it's Mount Marathon or, you know, just something in your backyard and be like, my legs got me here. Like that is, uh, there's like nothing more rad than that in my mind. Um, And especially doing it with, um, you know, your kids or, you know, your family or uh, other girlfriends who are runners or hiking buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you you kind of deflected there because I wanted you to talk more about the Olympics and that kind of thing. That's okay. We'll we'll move on. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) No, I I can. We'll talk about hills in a second, but I'm just curious, how did you get into, you grew up in in the Seattle area, is that correct? And how did you get into cross-country skiing? I grew up in Seattle and there aren't many cross-country skiers in Seattle, but Snoqualmie Pass is about an hour east of that. And we had a family cabin um, which, uh, is really near and dear to my heart. I'm so excited. I'm going there this weekend. Um, 
And I think my parents with triplets uh, and myself, four kids, were just like, we just we need somewhere that we can go that's dependable and you know quote unquote easy um sure you know to to go to and so every weekend we would just go to that that cabin and in the winter you actually have to ski into it oh and cool so my parents would pull you know my siblings like in a in a sled it was not fancy back then it was like you know the super cheap sled with ropes like tied to your backpack um and then at one point uh we would ski in to the cabin, spend the night, then ski out. We would all teach skiing. So at one point we had three generations of ski instructors. So uh, as an eight-year-old, again, I was like the bossy one, right? Like (laughs) as an eight-year-old, I would like help with the five and six-year-old, you know, ski lessons. And then we'd ski back into the cabin, spend the night, have our sourdough pancakes and ski back out and teach skiing again. So uh, I was a ski instructor. My parents were, my grandparents were, you know, kind of on, on the weekends and I just really fell in love to it fell in love with like that family tradition and um, you know, the sport, the sport itself. And so, you know, I think kids really, um, you know, like those associations, right? Like I associated like skiing with my family and hot chocolate, right? Yeah, like yeah. who, who wouldn't like that? Yeah. Um, and then, so as I grew older, my dad was my coach, my siblings were my teammates um, in the summers, I got to go to really awesome camps with kids from places with more cross-country skiers. Um, I chose uh, where to go to college. Um, I went to Whitman College in Walla Walla, Washington, um, based on knowing that I wanted to stay on the West Coast. I wanted to ski. I wanted to go to a small school. That was the option. Sure. Um, I was never, I, I always like to say I was kind of a mediocre uh, NCAA collegiate skier. Um, but I just really, um, furthered my love for the sport. And after college, I wanted to live in the snow. So I moved to Alaska. I started coaching, um, and just really fell in love with it. I had a hundred kids on my high school team. Oh my gosh. Everything from junior national champions to exchange students who had never even seen snow before. And that was just an amazing and empowering experience for me. It was like I didn't have anyone my age to ski with. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was the coach for 100 kids that were all skiing together and just having a ball. And I was like, I love this. You know, everyone has their Alaska story. Like you come here for like a season or a year and then you never leave. And sure. I totally fit, fit into that. So then I became a full-time coach after that. And um, I call it like my accidental training um, because I was coaching so many sessions. And then <laughs> this sounds really dorky, but I was doing intervals with friends after work. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and I just ended up getting in like really good shape. Um, and then it had been a couple of years since I had been in any races, uh, jumped into some races, started doing well. I thought it was an accident jumped into more races and was like, mm, okay, this maybe isn't an accident. Um, and there's this whole other story about Mount Marathon and this epiphany where I decided I was going to try to go for the Olympics. I don't know if we want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but I, I, this was 2009. Um, I was in the lead for Mount Marathon. It was really hot. I started descending. I started getting really woozy. My legs were really wobbly. 
Um, and I ended up passing out right in front of the emergency room, which is right on the course. Oh my gosh. Um, it, I was so dehydrated. It took them an hour to start an IV in my arm. Oh my gosh. Um, and then laying in the ER, I had so much kind of like adrenaline and competitive drive and Mount Marathon is known as the Olympics of Alaska. It's a really big deal. Yeah. Um, if you win that race, it's the second oldest race in the country behind the Boston Marathon. Fun yeah. fact. Um, and I was just like, this is it. Like I, I, right here, right now in the emergency room, I am deciding that I am going to try to make the Olympics. Good um, for you. I'm glad you but, went down that rabbit hole with yeah, us and yeah, yes. it's, a, it's a really random story. So I ended up having exertional rhabdomyolysis, which um, is more common now. People usually get it from like CrossFit or football yes. injuries. But yes. um, it was essentially I got super dehydrated climbing, you know, the 3000 feet up the mountain and then that eccentric motion of like running down. And I mean, you're literally running down an active waterfall. Um so, oh you know, like people call it the hardest 5K on earth. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Well, that was my uh, next question. But yeah, so, so you did, yeah. wait, so wait, hold on. So don't tell us more about the race, but finish up. So yeah. you ended up making the 2010 team and the 2014 Olympic teams, yeah. correct? Yeah, so I was like the coach that became the professional athlete. For yeah. most people, it's opposite. Yeah. Um, and so that was really fun. You know, it was kind of that weird outlier, um, that late bloomer in life. Uh, but I really attribute it to the fact that I have this like lifelong intrinsic love of the sport. And I, I wasn't really doing it because I was necessarily good at it. I was doing it because I loved it. Yes. And because I loved it, I got really Good. Good. I, I, yes. Like you call yourself so, an accidental Olympian on your website, which I like. Yeah. I think that's kind of fun. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. Yeah. I love that's such a great story. I love, you know, because I think now, especially too, when we watch the Olympics, are, summer Olympics are going to start soon and you get these NBC yeah. stories, you know, where they're like, you know, at age four, he knew that he was going to be the fencing champion oh. of the world or whatever, you know, and it just it just feels like people get groomed so um, intentionally for yeah. success in sports. And it sounds like yours came so organically. And I just think that's, um, that's just, it just like warms my heart, right? It's cool. Yeah. It's very cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I give like, uh, I don't know, hope to, <laughs> you know, all the people that like weren't tapped on their shoulder. At sure. Five. Exactly. Like, yeah, you're talented. <laughs> well, so you talked a little bit about the Mount Marathon and that's how I found you because it happens. It's, it's, it is the event, capital T, capital E in Alaska, right? And um, it's on July 4th. So I was reading about the winner and there was an article and um, and you said that you didn't you probably weren't going to vie for um, mm -hmm. the top spot because but they also identified you as a mother of twins. And I was like, oh, but she's still like freaking rocking it. And she's got young <laughs> twins. So so tell us about the race. I mean, you've kind of alluded to it's it's an out and back. Right. So it's a 5K that you have to run up and back down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this year we just completed the 93rd running wow. of Mount Marathon and um, like Alaska isn't even that old. <laughs> right? so, <laughs> I mean, like it's that's, that's true. Epic. Yeah, that's, that's pretty epic. And so it started out as a bar bet in in the town of Seward, which is a port town. Um, and you start on Main Street. You run, um, I don't know, 800 meters on the road and then you essentially just come to this mountain. And people either like climb like up a, up the roots or you go up the cliff and and you have to 
the, the first half of the mountain, it's kind of like this tunnel of vegetation. And then you break out above that line and it's black shale. And if it's clear, you just see mountains for, for miles. It's wow. an amazing, amazing view. You, so there, to be clear, there is no trail up it. You have to forge your own trail? Yeah, there's okay. no, I mean, there are trails, but there okay. are multiple trails. And okay. There's no set course. Okay. Right? Okay. And so people get really into the, like, I go this way here and I go around this tree here. And, you know, sometimes you lose your competition and then they come out ahead of you and you're like, oh man, like, shoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, I, and when I first saw the race, I was like, mountain running like what is that these people aren't running you know they're hiking and then you try it and you're like whoa they're they're going really hard they're going really fast yeah um and so it's so steep i think the average grade is like 38 degrees wow um, wow and so it's very steep very very steep um, so you're not and, really running up it are you more like or are you running or is it like I fast mean, hiking or what yeah it's kind of like power hiking, power hiking. Um, okay. and then you know i always say like on any hill or mountain there's always like micro terrain sure and so you know it's maybe you're kind of like fitting in like five running strides and then you're going back to the power hiking and then um you know that's one tactic that i use to kind of target different muscle groups um sure and, you know we can talk about that um, yeah when we talk about training for hills yeah um but anyway so you climb three thousand feet you go you run around this american flag <laughs> and and then you come down the course is kind of like a figure eight obviously you don't want to have like people coming down the up track because that sure. wouldn't work but it ends up being this kind of like the top is like soft shale where you're running down really steep, but it's kind of like soft rocks. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. you know, it's kind of like squishy cause there's mud in it too. And then the second half you're running down the active waterfall where there's like, you know, you're like kind of crab walking and, um, and then at the bottom there's like a full on cliff that you, that you come down and then you come out and there are like thousands of people at the base of the mountain. And then you have to run, um, you know, over half a mile and finish the finish line is at the Yukon bar. Wow. Um, wow. And I'll tell you like the road is by far the hardest part, the most painful part, especially after um, you've just totally taxed your muscles and they're used to going like straight up or straight down. And then you get on like a flat to like slight incline downhill and your muscles, everything just tightens up and cramps and you're like, Whoa, this is whoa. a pain. This yeah. is a pain I haven't experienced. Sure. Sure. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's epic. Like, uh, you know, I mean, there is usually not this year cause we had some COVID mitigation, but there's an auction, um, to get spots. There's a lottery first and then an auction the night before. And I think the highest, the most anyone has ever paid to get a spot in this race is $4,500, which wow. Is a lot for a race for, entry. For an hour of, I mean, yeah. And so you finish, I mean, your yeah. times are, I mean, I looked you up on the way, I looked up your results, you know? Yeah. Um, so I saw your two hour finish. So that was obviously the year that you finished in the, in the med tent or got into the med tent. Cause I was, I was like, well, I wonder what happened there. But well, that year I technically discharged myself from the hospital against doctor's orders. Okay. Across the finish line. Okay. You're not allowed to start next year if you don't finish oh and then check myself back into the finish line okay. so that year i finished 212 yes but other than that you've had very i mean so the fastest people finish in about 50 minutes yeah. you're you know when you won you were in that area and then now yeah. you're back a little bit slower but still yeah i mean you finished 10th this year so 
Wow, wow. So when you stand at the base of Mount Marathon or any race that you know is going to challenge you um, with vertical incline, you know, climbing, uh, whether it's on skis or on your own two feet, kind of, do you put yourself in a different mindset or are you just like, this is a race and I know how to do hills? Like kind of, and I, when we talked yesterday or when we talked on our, like our little pre-interview chat, I'm like, you may not be able to break it down because you've been doing it for so long, but I'm just curious if you think about a hilly course differently than you would about a flat course. Well, I mean, I'm going to be a little bit different from maybe most of the li- of the listeners. Like, if I see a hilly course, I'm like, yes, this yes. is my jam, right? Yeah. Like, I am better at this than yeah. you know, like a flat course that um, you know that would necessitate like uh, more speed or, sure. or or something like that. Cross country skiers are known for having um, you know high VO two max, and so. Um, you know, I love the vert. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I would say for my mindset, it's definitely kind of my, my norm, but I totally understand how other people are like, whoa, you know, this is a big deal. Right. Yeah. And you kind of tilt your neck back and you're like, how am I going to do this? Right. Like Mount Marathon, um, is a very intimidating race. Uh, I mean for me too, right. Cause sure. of the danger component, but but also, I think vertical and hills are intimidating for a lot of people um, yeah. who don't do them normally. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, you are you are a performance coach, among your other things, all the yeah. other things that you do. So yeah. so if you had someone come to you who was, you know, wants to run better and knows that hills will help them get there, but they viscerally don't like doing them. I mean, where would you start with them to kind of get them a little bit more accustomed to embrace embrace is the wrong word but just tolerating them maybe you know yeah yeah um well I like to kind of reframe that notion entirely and um you know it's not about tolerating it's like can we can we think about how this could be fun right or can can we like create this this fun challenge um you know I have this saying like can we become comfortable with being uncomfortable Right. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I am a strong believer in mindset, of course. Right. That is a big component of what I do. But, you know, if the message that we're telling ourselves is like, this sucks, like this is going to be hard. Right. Then it is going to be hard. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so if you can think like, OK, I'm going to like this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard for everyone. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily going to feel great. Right. The pace is going to feel really slow. Right. But it's just like like my observations of seeing Mount Marathon for the first time in 2006. I was like, those people are moving fast. Right. But those people were fit and going hard. Right. So can we change our thoughts or our expectations about the hills? And, you know, um, can you look forward to the view? Can you think about the strength that you're going to gain? Right. Can you think about the fitness and using different muscle groups? Right. Is there some part of you that can maybe look forward to the challenge and can you think about this idea of becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable you know and i'm a big believer that we all have kind of a governor in our brains right and sure you know if if um if you're not familiar with a governor right it's like uh it's like a car, right? Like your car will say it goes up to 150 miles an hour on the dashboard, but it doesn't really like, it'll like top out at like 90, you know, or I don't know, hundred or something like that. And I think our brains are like that, right? Like if there's something that we don't want to do, 
our brains will protect us and kind of keep us from engaging in in that effort. So you really have to change your mindset and tell your brain, right, or have your brain tell your body that like you're going to be safe, right? That it's okay that this is like acceptable pain to feel and that you're not in any danger. Sure. Um, and then I think, you know, it opens up this additional capacity that doesn't even require more fitness. It's just a mindset shift. Sure, sure. Well, and so, so do you, I mean, I imagine this is, this is not a quick fix, right? That's <laughs> with anything that is meaningful right. and, um, you know, but I mean, prior to, you know, going out on a run where like maybe your, your program calls for a hilly route, or maybe that's the only option you have. And you've been kind of, you know, whether consciously or unconsciously kind of fighting it or tolerating it, how can you kind of shift that? Like, is it something that you do prior to the run during the run? away from the run, like when you're driving and you're telling yourself, I like hills or like, I mean, kind of talk a little bit about how to yeah. reprogram that and, and how, how much um, effort it takes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It takes, uh, I, I'm not going to lie. It takes some considerable effort, right. To yeah. like kind of reprogram or recondition, you know, your thoughts. I mean, you may have been hating hills for 20 years, right? Like, yes, yeah. and I don't have a magic wand, right? To tell yes. you like, okay, and tomorrow you're really going to love it, right? Yeah. But I think a big component of this is uh, first step is self-awareness, right? How are you talking to yourself? Like what are those conscious and even subconscious thoughts about the workout that, that you have? And let's be real. We all have favorite workouts, right? And sure. we all have the workouts that we don't love as much, yes. right? But if you can kind of apply that growth mindset, right, to, to those workouts, that's really helpful. So the first step is to say, like, how am I thinking about this workout, right? And almost like write down some of the thoughts that are happening in your mind, right? And so in my practice, I talk a lot about the thought performance cycle. And it's this idea that our thoughts create our emotions, yep. which create, you know, our behaviors, which create our performance, right? So I'll just give you an example. If you're like, I hate hills, right? The emotions you're going to feel are like dread. Sure. <laughs> you're not going to want to do it, right? And then the behaviors are probably like procrastination, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to go into that workout with that governor, right? You're like, you're not. I can only get to 65 much. miles an hour or whatever. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. And then you're not going to totally benefit from that workout. And, you know, I'm not the kind of person that's like, think positively all the time. Like in, that's not authentic at all. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we can do what's called kind of a, a thought adaptation or a thought correction. And so take that thought, which is originally, I hate Hills to, you know, maybe we can change that. It has to be something you believe, but, um, maybe that thought can become, um, this workout can really benefit me. You know, I'm, I'm going to focus on, um, you know, some little technical things and I am going to like have a mindful moment and view at the top and congratulate my legs and practice some, gra some gratitude for, for getting up this hill. Right. Yeah. So maybe the thought goes from like, I hate hills to I'm going to get a lot out of this workout yeah. and, you know, I'm going to try to, you know, be proud of my legs. Right. And then all of a sudden, the emotions like and the thoughts are it's just a little bit more optimistic right and then your body is going to want to go there and then you're actually going to get that full effect from the workout right sure 
So it starts with that self-awareness. You have to say, what message am I telling myself? And that could be conscious or subconscious, right? Sure. Um, and then look at how that, that thought is affecting the feelings, the behaviors and the performance, right? So if you can kind of make a change to that thought, all of a sudden you're going to feel potentially different about it. And you know, the workout's going to, going to go better. So I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it totally does. You're going to, you're just going to float along, right. Or get closer to that feeling. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But you know, I think there's also like some expectation management too, right? Like, yes. you know, I mean, if you're running on the flats, like sometimes you might feel fast, you might feel great. Right. Yes. So I think sometimes people don't like hills because you don't feel fast. No, you don't. No, you don't. Right. And, and we look at our numbers so often, right? We're such a slave to our GPSs now so that like, even though you rationally know that you are, um, you know, uh, whatever, 10, 30 minute is not, your 10, 30 mile is, is not, is okay because you're climbing. It's hard because you're like, but I'm not a 10, 30 mile runner, yeah. right? You yeah. know, kind of thing. And so Whatever, I want yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I want to challenge people. Yeah. Um, you know, because a lot of runners are very, um, outcome oriented, you know, very pace and mileage based. Um, and you know, maybe this is me as a, as a skier, um, you know, we're not so much, you know, our, the snow is always different. So oh, yeah. we don't have like a 5k time in skiing. Okay. Um, but I think that I've kind of, and of course, like, I like numbers too, I'm not going to lie. But if you're struggling with hills, I would invite you to go out and do a workout without your watch, without your GPS, Sure. right? And so, um, you know, because if those numbers are kind of giving you um, kind of that negative reinforcement, like, oh, look at my pace, right? That doesn't matter. Let's just talk about your effort and let's talk about the workout and the strength that you're getting from that. Sure. So, you know, I think that the GPS and the watches and everything can be a trigger for those negative thoughts. So I would encourage people, whether you love hills or not, I actually do a lot of training without a watch. Um, and so I really focus more on kind of intuitive exercise and um, rather than running and being like, Ooh, what does my heart rate monitor say? What sure, mileage am sure. I at? What pace am I at? Right. Yeah. And you know, that is really good information. It can be really beneficial. I understand how it's very motivating for a lot of people, but I think people really train like by their watches and Strava segments and you know, whatever, rather than like how their body feels. And so if we can kind of manage those expectations and think less about pace and just be like, yeah, like up, going uphill is going to be a lot slower. That doesn't mean that you aren't a comparable athlete. Sure. Right. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. so the people that are winning Mount Marathon, like we are not, you know, running up the entirety of Mount Marathon. We're, we're power hiking, you know, for, for the most part, um, unless you're like the top, three guys right <laughs> like Killian Jordan or Emily Forsberg who is who have also come to the race but yeah a, a, anyway um I don't know if that makes sense but it does it I, does I, absolutely I limit ourselves we sure. limit ourselves by by training by numbers I would sure. encourage people to train by feeling and also just go into these hill workouts knowing it's not gonna feel awesome yes. um but it's going to make you so much stronger 
And I think the sense of accomplishment that you can feel um, makes up for all of all of that discomfort. Sure, sure. This episode is brought to you exclusively by Curex, the final step to better running. Curex insoles are the number one insole in the run specialty retail market, meaning in running stores, it's the top selling brand of insoles. It's no wonder. Curex Run Pro insoles are highly customizable and provide dynamic arch support. I know there are a lot of add to your shoe options, yet insoles shouldn't be just cushioning and shouldn't only be stiff like a custom orthotic. Curex delivers the best of both these options. Curex Run Pro insoles have flexible support with just the right level of rigidity. They have a thin, low profile, yet still deliver maximum support and comfort. Curex Run Pro insoles are available in three profiles, high, medium, and low. I have high arches, so my feet, knees, hips, and back are grateful I added Curex Run Sole insoles to my shoes. Here I am, a runner of a more advanced age, yet, knock on wood, I'm injury-free and have been for a while. I don't think it's any coincidence. Once you become a believer in Run Run Pro insoles, you'll want to check out Curex's other options. Curex offers the largest line of sport activity-specific insoles, from Cleat Pro for soccer or baseball, Hike Pro for, you guessed it, hiking, Support Step for walkers, even Work Pro for on-their-feet professions, plus tennis, golf, hockey, and skiing too. Try Curex risk-free today. The company offers a 60-day warranty, even if the product has been cut to fit your shoes. Visit curex.us and use code AMR15 for 15% off a pair of Curex insoles. That's C-U-R-R-E-X dot U-S with code AMR15 for 15% off. Curex.us with code AMR15. Well, so let's talk a little bit about the physical side of things. You've been super clear and helpful on the mental side of things. So, okay, let's let's get away from Mount Marathon because just because that is such a unicorn, <laughs> you know, when you're, yeah. but I mean, you know, if I'm standing at the bottom of a hill looking up at it and it looks pretty, you know, I live in Denver, so, you know, it's not, I'm not on a mountain, but I'm definitely got some hilly terrain around me. What, um, what do you do or what do you recommend people do to think about getting, keeping, getting momentum, keeping their momentum, running form, like anything that you think about as you climb? Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it totally depends on the pitch, right? Yeah. But I would say if it's steep, like do not be ashamed to go into a power hike. Sure. Right. And, um, you know, I think that there is amazing benefits for runners, um, engaging in hill workouts where they're actually not running at all. And back in the day I was a coach and we would do max heart rate tests with, um, with our athletes. And, you know, that can be done in a really regimented way on a treadmill or, you know, we also went to a little like downhill area, like down the road and we had these athletes power hike or even, you know, um, use ski poles, Mm -hmm. um, to go as hard as they could up, up the mountain. And this is like a kid's ski mountain, right? So like it would take me five minutes. Right. Okay. But like on the third, on the third interval, they would reach their max heart rate. Wow. Right. Um, but again, you know, they're also looking at that micro terrain and, you know, I think that there's a lot to be said for being able to kind of run a couple of steps. And, you know, if I think about the the difference between running and hiking and what I what I would think about on Mount Marathon a lot is running is more on your forefront, the forefront of your foot, right? You're yeah. kind of pushing off the forefront of your foot. It's um, it's more taxing on like your quadriceps and your calves, your calf muscles. If I think about and this is kind of a skier thing. 
but if I think about hiking, you're landing on like a flatter foot yeah. and you have the opportunity to engage your hamstrings and your glutes a lot more. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of like running injuries and injuries in general come from like muscle imbalances, right? Sure. Yeah. And so I'm a huge fan of cross training and, you know, making sure that we have forward motion, but also lateral motion. And that, you know, if your quads are going to be really strong, you better make sure your hamstrings and glutes are as well. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I think like if people found a hill and even practice that alternating, um, you know, maybe it's like 30 seconds of running and then 30 seconds of power hiking and really trying to use, you know, the forefront of the foot and then the full foot, right? So you're engaging, you know, the quads and then the hamstrings and glutes and then the quads and hamstrings and glutes, right? Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if, I don't know. If no, that's, that's a great, I love that idea. Well, it, it also takes the pressure off, right? Because yeah. sometimes I feel like, you know, I mean, I know, again, speaking from my own experience, I get to, I'm at the bottom of the hill and I'm like, oh, this, you know, again, like a, maybe not a super steep hill, but a, a you know, a, a medium sized pitch, medium sized length. And I'm like, oh, I've got this, you know, at the bottom, I feel nice and strong. And then, you know, by about two thirds up, I'm like, wait, I thought I had this, you know, like, and I just feel yeah. slow and, and plotty and it's hard to get up. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so if, if I have the permission, then, you know, the mental permission yeah. to say, you know what, stop, let's, we're going to switch our muscle usage or our muscle engagement here, yeah. take 20 really strong steps and then keep going. Like, yeah. I think that's <laughs> brilliant yeah. personally. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, so give yourself permission. And also, I mean, there comes, you know, depending on how steep the pitch is, there comes a point where like actually power hiking is faster, could be faster sure, than sure. running. And so, you know, I think you can also think of it as performative. You can think of it as injury prevention, um, you know, and then just from a pace standpoint, like if I'm, if say I'm going from a flat to a hill to a flat, I, I like to think about maybe running into or like going into the hill. So this is a ski thing. A ski coach taught me that this to, to think of hills in thirds, right? Okay. So maybe the first third you're going into it, you're carrying your momentum from the flat. Okay. The middle part of the hill, that's like the meat of the hill. Like that's, you know, I mean, your heart rate could be skyrocketing, right? Like all of this stuff, right? Sure. Like maybe like peel the effort back just a little bit, right? On the middle part of the hill. And then, you know, uh, the, the last third of the hill with the transition out of the hill, that's when maybe you pick it up again a little bit. Um, you know, so if you kind of um, dial back your pace yeah. a little bit for like the steepest part of the hill, yeah. it might make it a little bit more, more doable. Yeah. Um, it's probably like that's super applicable for skiing because we have we glide on our skis sure sure it's applicable for running but i think it's it's still it's still applicable oh i like that i like that and then it also um i mean i think breaking anything down into smaller bites is always always makes it easier right yeah so yeah. i'm like okay i'm in the meat right now but i'm gonna be in the you know on the cherry yeah. on top soon right that's yeah that's great that's great yeah. um okay well so um so we're going to switch a little bit, go back to talk about you. Um, I know you've got an ultra coming up in September. How, how hilly, which one are you doing and how, hilly, excuse me, how hilly is it? Yeah. So um, I am signed up for the Cascade Crest and okay. done. Um, oh, here comes my cat bugs. Um, I've done uh, a couple 50 milers, um, but I have never done a hundred. Okay. And um, I, you know, it's kind of like a life goal. Like, yeah. I, you know, I'm like, okay, I, I want to, I really want to do that. Um, 
Plus the course goes by my family cabin in the Cascades. So this is in Washington. And uh, we have 23,000 feet of vertical um, wow. In this, so in the race, it's 23,000 over a hundred yeah. miles. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's a lot, you know, I mean, it's not as much as like hard rock or something like that, but, um, 23,000 feet of vertical is a lot. And so, um, you know, when I think about what I'm going to be doing, it's a mixture of running. It's going to be a lot of hiking. Sure. Um, and then just trying to, always kind of switch my gears and, you know, kind of, uh, try to let certain muscle groups rest while I'm utilizing others and, um, just keep moving in whatever way I can. So, um, I'm pretty excited slash pretty nervous. Um, but I, uh, obviously I love things that kind of hurt a lot challenge you yeah yeah I'm a glutton for punishment yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. well and you uh, and again like you mentioned to me that you shifted your goals a little bit um from maybe like being on the podium to having the best race you can where you are right now um and I gotta just think that's gotta be hard because I'm guessing the Olympic or the Olympian mentality isn't one that just goes away when you you know have kids (laughs) or you know Yeah. Yeah. You know, this race has been on my radar for a very long time. I've kind of been trying to get in or, you know, in um, communication with the race directors and uh, to make a long story short, I had a big infertility or a long infertility journey and, you know, then some pregnancy loss and, you know, stuff like that. And so it was like, okay, I can do it. No, I can't. I can do it. No, I can't. Now, okay, now I have a high risk geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> so no, you know, I can't do it now. And sure. so anyway, it's been like, um, it's been a, uh, a long road to get there. Um, oh my gosh. I just lost your original question. Oh, just, I'm just wondering oh. about changing your mentality. From, yeah. The mentality. Know, that's being, right. That's right. Yeah. Being, yeah. Uh... thank you. I'm like mom, mom brain right now. That's okay. Um, so like when I first thought about it, I was like, yeah, you know, I'd love to be competitive. I'd love to like fight for the win. Um, and now I'm kind of like, well, you know, I, I, I mean, there are lots of things that can go wrong, including like lots of gut issues, right. In sure, sure. And, you know, having three-year-old twins and, um, a couple of jobs, yes. uh, you know, I really had to kind of, um, manage my expectations and just shift from, I really wanted to be maybe competitive for the win, which is maybe naive in thinking, you know, I've never done a hundred mile race before. So, but you know, I'm a competitive person who likes pain, so why not? Sure. Um, but I, I really don't have a lot of time these days and training for an ultra is a huge commitment. And, um, so I've just really had to manage my expectations. And I think I was telling you about this concept of the minimal effective dose, Yes. right? And it's this idea, um, that like, okay, I don't have a lot of time to train, but like, what is the minimal amount I can do to try and get across the finish line um, safely? Yes. And so that's kind of where my mind has gone. And, you know, I have this saying, you can have it all, but not all at once. And, um, you know, it's hard to be, uh, you know, have a private practice and, 
um, you know, have like three-year-old twins and try to maintain fitness and a social life. And, you know, I have a new project I talked to you about a little bit called Moms Matter Now. Um, So really wanting to save some time for that. So um, I really had to manage my expectations. But the other thing I want to mention um, is that, you know, while there are a lot of like people who um, were maybe Olympians or just like at a high level, like whether it was in collegiate sports or whatever, right? Or even youth sports, they were at a high level and then life happens, right? Mm -hmm. They don't get to train as much and people are like, well, I'm not going to race. I'm not going to, you know, enter events. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that because I'm never going to be as good as I once was. Yes. And that just hurts my heart. Yeah, no, especially because you get so much joy out of, I mean, you know, you clearly got so much joy out of skiing and you would get joy out of pushing yourself. Um, Yeah. yeah, I like that. Well, and I was going to ask you actually, um, I was going to bring that up as a question. Do you feel like people who maybe are not, you know, are kind of hill averse would do well to just kind of get into an event with hills, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of get the momentum of people around them and kind of see that the joy I mean, the joy that they can bring is a totally. little, little uh, ambitious, I think, but more the idea of like, you know, like get out there, be part of the community, do yeah. something you love on a beautiful yeah. day and maybe your attitude can change, right? Totally. You know, and I mean, in my therapy practice and whatnot, like I work with a lot of perfectionists, right? Like, yeah. Of, like very high achievers and it's that I'm never going to be as good as I once was, so I'm not even going to do it, right? Yeah. yeah. And if you don't want to do it, that's fine, right? But if there's part of you that's like, oh, there's a part of me that misses that, right? Yeah. I could say like, let's get out there, right? Yeah. Like I am so far behind where I used to be, but I still, you know, I try to reframe the experience. I manage my expectations. I also think a lot about kind of modeling, um, you know, this behavior for my kids, Yes. right? Because, you know, if kids are seeing their moms, um, sitting on the sidelines, right, while everyone else is participating, right, yes, yeah. in sports or, you know, just being the drivers and the snack contributors, right? Like, it, that's <laughs> great, right, if that's yeah. what you want to do, right? But I want to be the one with the bib on, right? Yeah. I don't want yeah. my daughter to see, like, mom in the race, right? She's like, go, mama, go, right? Like, yeah. mama, going to run a race, right? Yeah. Can I run a race, right? Like, kids learn by modeling, right? And so it's really important to me um, that I like, that I can kind of get over my own ego and <laughs> get, yeah. get, get out there. Yes. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago, we have this race, it's a ski race here in Anchorage called the Tour of Anchorage. And I wrote this article um, in the local newspaper and it ended up being really popular because I said, why don't you tour the tour? Like you can, you can enter a race and use it as a tour, right? Yeah, or yes. use it as a fantastic workout. And I'm like, when it doesn't get better, right? Like the conditions are great. There are people cheering for you. People are giving you snacks. Yeah. You're at the finish line. You get a medal. Like, like you, why would you not do this? Come right? on. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to treat and, it. I mean, don't have to treat it as a race race. Yeah. Totally. Or, you know, treat it as a race and just like limit your expectations. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that people really miss out on a lot of like fun experiences 
because of their egos and because of that idea that like I'm never going to be as good as I once was kind of kind of thing um so I guess if anyone's listening to this and you're like yeah that's that's totally me (laughs) (laughs) I, I I would challenge you you know to get out there get out there with some friends and um you know just in terms of like efficiency and like uh not having a lot of time like i feel like a uh, race effort even if it's not a full race effort it's more of a threshold effort it's worth like at least seven seven slow long distance workouts so agreed agreed <laughs> like the, yeah. fit, the fitness you gain from it is just huge and you know some of these races maybe especially if there's lots of hills um i don't know if you guys talk a lot about type two fun on the podcast but um, you know, it's like, oh boy, there's my cat. Um, you know, it's, it's like this idea that like, maybe it's not always the most fun while you're doing it, but the sense of accomplishment and the pride and the camaraderie that you feel after yes. is like, it's unparalleled. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you know, that's what Mount Marathon is, right? Like people are just jacked on endorphins, right? Like totally, totally. That's, I mean, that you're totally speaking our language. I, um, <laughs> I brought this up a couple times on different podcasts, but I did a race out in Maine where it was like a swim run in between the islands. And oh, cool. um, we have to have, with a teammate, and you have to have a team name. And one of the team names was, it doesn't have to be fun to be fun. And I keep that, comes through oh my, my head a thousand times. It doesn't, and then, then someone else called it type two fun recently. So I love that. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I think we're speaking the same language and just knowing that like, the pride, like it's the same thing with a hill. It doesn't have to be fun to be fun. And you get to the top, you thank your legs, you thank your lungs, you thank yeah. whatever, you know, person you worship and yeah. you keep going, right? Yeah, yeah. Such It's such an awesome feeling. That's great. <laughs> well, Holly, you've been an amazing guest. I love your perspective, obviously, and energy. Um, and as I mentioned in the intro, you are a perinatal mood specialist and have started an organization called Moms Matter Now, which you talked about. Mm-hmm which focuses on the emotional and psychological transition to motherhood. And um, we are huge, huge advocates of women taking care of themselves, whether they are moms or whether they are, you know, a sandwich generation or taking care of elderly parents or whatever. Everybody has responsibilities for somebody else. And um, and exercise is obviously a huge part of that self-care. I, I know that we've already planned on having you return for a fall podcast to talk through perinatal health and, and the, yeah. the joys that exercise can bring to your life, whether you're climbing hills or, or just out for a walk. But just mm-hmm. give us a quick preview of Moms Matter Now and kind of why you started it. Yeah, you know, um, it's this whole thing called baby shock, right? Like yeah. everyone thinks like you hear all the time, like my life isn't going to change when I have a baby, right? And like... <laughs> not, not not so true right yeah and you know i think that there's a lot of talk about what color should the nursery be and the gender reveal and all this stuff but what people really underestimate is how it's going to affect um you know like their thought patterns um their independence their mental health their relationship with their partner if they have one Right. And so, you know, I think um, people do not know enough about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. It's much more than postpartum depression. Right. Sure. Um, And so uh, I think that a lot of people um, really suffer greatly from like an emotional or psychological standpoint when they become a mother. And um, can we get upstream of that? You know, can we do some psychoeducation on 
uh, like intrusive thoughts, right? Before they happen, right? Um, You know, can we talk about like how it's going to affect your relationship? Can we talk about um, mom guilt? And so you know about it ahead of time. Um, You know, one of the things that I see a lot is just this martyrdom, right? It's this, it's this like obsessive caregiving, right? And giving the shirt off your back and then some, right? And You know, I see too many women um, get in this trap of kind of losing themselves, losing, losing, you know, their independence, um, you know, and different ambition in this transition to becoming a mother. And um, I don't I I want to believe that's not necessary. Like, of course, it changes you. Right. Yes. It, it, It absolutely changes you. Life will be different for sure. But, you know, how can you maintain like some of your identity, you know, some of your um, emotional and psychological stability? So Moms Matter Now, um, you know, we are in the beginning stages of creating some online courses, you know, for how to kind of prepare yourself for the emotional and psychological transition to motherhood. And I think that we need to be talking about the right things (laughs) here. And, you know, Kalisa, my co-founder and I, you know, we talk about exercise as being the best drug right and you know i would tell people like i had placenta previa so i stopped running it eight weeks right into my pregnancy and um i did a lot of stroller pushing and stroller pushing up hills talk about an amazing strength workout yeah for sure like you know that's a whole nother conversation um but i'm just really excited to kind of open up the dialogue about um, maternal mental health and, you know, get it uh, into the mainstream and figure out how we can support uh, each other um, in, in what I think is the biggest transition of our entire lives by far. (laughs) 100% there. 100%. That's so great. Well, I look forward to, um, to reconnecting with you on that. I mean, I definitely feel like we go down a, a bunch of different, you're obviously know a lot and um and there's yeah. so many different ways that we can approach it and i just didn't want this podcast to be two hours long so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um so we'll come back we'll we look forward to, to having you again at some point holly in the meantime yeah. good luck with your ultra i think you're gonna have some more yeah. success i honestly do i think you're gonna surprise yourself out there um because you you're coming in with this beautiful you know, this is what I can do right now. And sometimes that um, can actually be a lot more freeing than being like, okay, I got to go stand on the podium, you know? Yeah. So yeah. 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 Well, thanks. Well, good luck. And thanks again for your time. And I will put um, links to everything in our show notes and um, yeah, Mm -hmm. good luck with those, those kiddos. Yeah. Go, go out and run some hills. You guys, you know, become aware of the mindset that you're using, you know, with, with those hills. Um, Sign up for some races, even if you don't think you're ready or some events, right? And, sure. Um, really, really, uh, you know, buy into that that type two fun and, and that gratitude for where your legs can take you. So thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Holly.